Good morning. Have you guys enjoyed fall break? Yeah, the fair. Is that good? Yeah, 60 years. It's a big deal. Um, my name's Shannon Ramsey. I'm from here in Statesboro originally. I grew up here, graduated from Southeast Bullock High School back when it was a small little country school. And it was like, why did anybody want to go out there? I moved back here and now everybody wants to go out there. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah. And so I uh, grew up here, uh, got a chance to uh, be here with you guys in 2020. Uh, I don't know if anybody remembers that year. It was kind of a fog for most of us, um, but got to talk about families of families a little bit during that time. But uh, I consider it a privilege and an honor to get to share this morning with you <clears throat> both about our agency and who and what we do. And then also, more importantly, and the most important thing is being able to share from God's Word, uh, because ultimately that is what we're here for, uh, is to be encouraged and enriched by the Word of God. Uh, this morning, uh, you know, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about who we are as Families for Families. Uh, we at Families for Families, we're a faith-based foster child placement agency. Now, what does that mean? Uh, well, what that means is that uh, our goal is that we, we recruit, train, and support godly homes that will love and nurture children in foster care while partnering with local churches. And let me break that down a little bit more for you. Uh, instead, uh, if you want to be a foster parent and get trained and licensed, instead of going through the local DFACS office, we are contracted with the state to do that. So we have all the pathways for you to do that. Um, and then we have support services on the backside to uh, help um, make that journey um, a gospel-centered journey for you and your family and the children who come into your home. And then in essence, when DFACS has a call from a DFACS has a call from uh, or has a need for a foster home, they call us and then we say, okay, yes, we, ha we can meet that need with this home that we have. And then our partnership with DFACS comes together. We have case management staff, we have support services staff and, um, and, and, and so forth. Um, but we at Families for Families, we've been here since, um, here in, in this area since 2019. That's when I began recruiting and, and launching everything out. Uh, and the Connection uh, Church Network really helped us out and really uh, helped to lay some groundwork for us. Uh, our, our initial first six families came from the uh, Savannah campus uh, with you guys, and uh, we're very thankful for that. And, and ongoing now, I just want to say thank you because we are in partnership together to now, right now, whether you realize it or not. Uh, Sydney Chapman, uh, she uh, communicates with us regularly. Uh, she's helped to put together birthday bags for the foster children that we support and that we work with on a daily basis. Uh, currently, she's working on, and we're getting the list together from our foster families of, of uh, Christmas wish list. For our foster kids, and so um, Sydney uh, has has committed to say, "Hey, listen, we at Connection, we're going to take care of all your kids uh, this year." And so we're excited about that. We're thankful for that partnership. So I just want to start by just saying thank you because you guys are already engaged um, in some ways of supporting foster children, whether you whether you realize it or not. Um, listen, we at Families for Families, our vision is to see uh, godly homes open up so that foster children can can go there, can be there. And because ultimately we see foster care is, is bigger than just a social justice issue. It's a bigger than, it's a gospel issue. It's a gospel issue. And 
one of the things we count as a win is for a child to go into a godly home. You guys have been going through this series about being different and being different by design. Well, guess what? A faith-based home ought to be a different home. It ought to look different. It ought to function different. It ought to uh, be conducted different. There ought to be things that go on differently there. Um, listen, a win for us, we had a, we had a young lady, got a call this week uh, from a local DFACS, and they said, hey, we need a home uh, for this child. And we said, okay, we can do that. And so we, we've got a home for her. And so uh, right now, this Sunday morning, not here, but here on Sunday morning, that child is in church for the very first time. That is a win for families for families. That is a huge win. Um, and we're thankful for that, absolutely. Uh, Y'all keep doing that. We ain't making it to lunch. Anyway, um, so that, there you go. There you go. Um, but yeah, so that's a win for us we, we, because we see the gospel as a part of the process. We've seen, um, we've seen children who've come into foster care with our agency here locally who they've been in care, they've been in a gospel center home and came to know the Lord, took baptism. Those kind of things. I mean, the, the, these, that's what we want to see. We don't know what the outcome will eventually be. We don't get to see that all the time. But when we, get, when we do, we get to see God at work because he's, he's being at work in the life of the church. The church is uniquely positioned to do this. Why? Because there's a built-in community within the life of a congregation to support families and to for, support children. And oh yeah, by the way, I think it was the brother of Jesus, this guy named James, wrote a book called The Letter of James. And what did he say? Pure and undefiled religion is what? Caring for what? Widows and orphans. Caring for widows and orphans. And, and you know, that's a command, not a suggestion. Y'all know the difference? I mean, it's serious. I mean, and I'm being kind of tongue-in-cheek about that, but it's, it's serious. And so it's like, how can we do that? And sometimes we, we hear about that, and we, we hear about these things, and we try to figure out how to engage uh, appropriately. Well, an agency like ours is a place where you can do that tangibly. Um, you can do that all in and be a foster parent, or you can, you can help out by supplying a, a, a meal for a foster family. Um, on, a, on a regular basis, you can help out by babysitting for one of those foster kids uh, in that home. You can, you can do that, like for us, some things we do that's different, that sets us apart. So supports, we, we host, we host uh, date nights once a month for our foster families where we have volunteers come in, care for the kids for a couple hours. We had one last night at a local church in the area, and um, it was more of a family night, but we have folks, we, we just take care of our kids, take care of our families. And it also what that does is creates community. So you, as a foster parent, you're around other people who know what you're going through and are engaging in some of those same things and you can relate. Uh, we host moms and dads nights once a month um, where there, there are support groups. Now, I know that may sound kind of weird, but they're really just a place to get continuing education hours, which are required as a foster parent to get. So we as an agency provide those opportunities so that the moms and dads can come together. Uh, I host our dad's nights once a month, once a month. And I'm going to tell you, it's one of the most enjoyable times that I have. I look forward to it. It is a long day and a late night, but I know that it's going to be a great evening as I get together with a group of eight or nine guys who are foster dads. Ladies, y'all hear that? Eight or nine dads getting together on a Monday night late, you know, and hanging out late. And they're coming together. And we're just talking about 
uh, a subject matter that's relating to them being fostering, and then they open up and support one another along the way. And it's been real cool to watch each one of them interact with one another to uh, encourage support so that they're sustained in that work that they do. Because here's the thing, you can't do it by yourself. Foster care is not a Lone Ranger thing. You can't do it by yourself. You've got to have a support network around you. Listen, as a foster parent, you've got to have your own family support around you. Probably some, uh, uh, listen, a connect group comes around to help out along the way. But then also we as an agency, we try to help make sure we've got some some bumpers, you know, listen, I love going bowling and putting the bumpers up because I know that I'm not going to get in the gutter. So we at Family for Family, we're kind of that bumper to make sure you don't go in the gutter to the best of our abilities and, 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 and help you to survive that endeavor. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't share this in the first service, but I want to share it this morning. Uh, now, God just kind of reminded me about it as I was waiting for this, this time segment. Listen, we at Families for Families, we're there to help support along the way. I'm in the process right now to bring in some awareness. So I, I like to endurance run. I like, I'm like one of those crazy people that, that you see running around town um, early in the morning on Saturdays. It's kind of long run, my long run day. Uh, I got some guys that I run with. Is, is Dwight in here? Yeah, is, there he is right there. There's my buddy Dwight. Dwight's my running buddy. Uh, got into more of this long distance running stuff. So I did, I did what I'm about to talk, talk about earlier this year. But we're raising awareness for foster care right now, just trying to raise some awareness and money and just say, hey, to go support these foster kids. And so we're, t we're doing a little challenge. I don't expect a whole lot of people to do the challenge with me, but I expect them to maybe support me because I'll do the running while you don't have to um, if you support me to do that. But listen, we're, we're trying to raise, so we're doing this thing called 4 by 4 by 48 running four miles every four hours for 48 hours. That's 48 miles in 48 hours. I, I did this back in, um, in March of this year, uh, doing it again this year. But here's something cool. When I did this back in March um, earlier um, this year, something that was kind of cool. That's 12 different runs over 48 hours, okay? There was only one of those legs that I ran by myself, physically by myself. And here's what's kind of cool. One of my buddies, and I was just being crazy and doing it then. Now I'm talking about foster care in the midst of it. But one of my buddies that lives in South Carolina saw on Facebook that I was doing this. And so he messaged me. He says, Shannon, for your lunch run today, I'm going to run with you here virtually. So I didn't run a single leg by myself. I had people supporting me. I had people encouraging me. And I had people with me doing it. And you know what? I was doing something that everybody thought I was crazy. I was doing something that was very difficult, but I had support doing it. Sounds a little bit like foster care. People think you're crazy. Why would you rearrange your life and change everything around to do something like that? It's very, very difficult. And guess what? If you don't have support, you will fail. So we at Families for Families are that support to try to help get people, uh, keep people in the game for extended periods of time so that they don't fail. Um, so... That's who we are. Um, the need is great. With an hour radius of right here is roughly 800 kids are in foster care. You may not think about that. And majority of those are in foster homes, not group homes. Or some of those are in group homes, but majority of those are in foster homes. Um, here, just locally, um, in Bullock County, there's roughly 38 kids in foster care. A quarter of those foster children in Bullock County are in our foster homes. Roughly a quarter of them are in our, in our foster homes. Um, uh, 
and kind of this journey that we've been on to be a foster family, it takes about, it takes about um, six months to, to get licensed. And so just to kind of tell you about our journey, we started in 2020 in the midst of a pandemic. This is what God did. This isn't us. This is what God did. God just kind of, he, it was crazy. Of all the time in the world to try to start a business, an organization, we're a nonprofit, to start and launch something. We launched then, and the world fell apart, and God still saw fit to help us be able to facilitate the licensing of six homes during 2020. In 2021, still, everybody's still trying to figure out what's going on with Delta, Omicron, and all that craziness. We got to see another six. This year, we're going to be almost 10 to 11 homes will be licensed by the end of this year. And, and we're just excited about that because that means we've got more homes for more children to go in as they come into care. Because here's the deal. They're coming into care. They're coming into care. That's not going to stop. We just need to have places for them to go. And so we're excited about that because God is continuing to bless in that. But we need more. We need to continue to uh, be available. Um, and our goal is to support those families. So listen, this morning I want to take us on a journey. I've talked about foster care. I've talked about foster care here on the beginning. Now what I want us to do is I want us to tie that together with the Scripture, okay? Because that ultimately is what we need to be looking at. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn to Luke chapter 15. We're going to be looking at what is somewhat of a very familiar passage, and many will be aware of it, and many, uh, you've read it, and you've heard it. But it's, Jesus in this chapter, uh, he's teaching parables. There's Pharisees, lawyers, and scribes, and these folks kind of around, and he's trying to make a point about the kingdom of God, and he tells, he tells roughly three parables in this chapter, um, and, um, and the biggest one is the parable of the prodigal son, one that is extremely familiar. Um, the parables that are in this chapter and what kind of pull them all together is there's a theme that goes on within them, and some key words are used, lost and found, rejoice and celebrate, um, all about God's love for the outcast and for the sinner. And Jesus is trying to make a point, which he does a lot. Um, we're going to go down a road. We're going to look at this chapter. We're going to look at this parable, and we're going to pull it together. And I promise you, we're going to tie it all in to foster care, okay? Y'all ready to go on a journey? Let's go. Starting in verse 11. And I'm old. I can't read with glasses on, so I have to take them off to read. I'm in that phase of life now. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Luke chapter 15, verse 11. And he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, forgive, uh, father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Now, many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in, in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one would give him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he rose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. 
And the son said to him, Father, I sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put on the ring on his hand and the shoes on his feet. And bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to them, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back again, safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he said to to his father, look, these many years I've served you, and I've never disobeyed your commands. Yet you're, you've never given me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fat calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It is fitting to celebrate and be glad for your brother. This brother of yours was dead and is alive, and it, he was lost and is found. This brother of yours, he was dead. And is alive. He he was lost and is found. This is the word of the Lord. Father, thank you for the reading of your word. We ask for your presence to continue to be here. God and direct us. Let your word do its work in our heart and mold us and make us more like you. Help us to know how we can best apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This story talks about a father and his two sons. And the one son chooses to disregard the father and all that has to do with him while the other stays faithful to the duties of being um, a son in the father's household. Now, this is something very important to remember and something to culturally to understand is in this day and in this culture, the concept of being in the father's house, the immediate family was a huge umbrella of people. Uh, it's not like today where our kids, they become teenagers, they go to college, they get married, and then they go off on their own. No, a lot of that stayed in the house. So these were, these were not like 10-year-olds or 12-year-olds. These were, these were adult men who were living in their home, and they weren't just, hey, listen, they weren't living in their mama's basement, okay? They were, they were, uh, they were grown men, and it was just the culture you stayed in. We, in the, we here in the West, we've lost sense of that uh, cultural dynamic. Uh, I used to be a missionary in South Asia, and that South Asian culture, and most in the, in the uh, East, these cultures or uh, cultural norms still go on where you, the father is kind of this patriarch of the household, and uh, things run through him. He's kind of this head of the, of the family unit. And, and these sons, they're living under that dynamic. And we, I, I think back to even growing up here in town, my grandparents uh, were somewhat of this, uh, this, this patriarchal fee, uh, figures in our, in our home. We would go to uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas. We always kind of got together. Uh, my mom's brother, brothers and sisters, our families would all get together. We would do things there. The blessing of, of my grandparents on us, whether it was us as the grandchildren or whether that was on uh, their children and their, their, their spouses, was a big deal because they were the patriarchs. And some of you may remember a, a vague piece of that, but that was a much bigger deal in this 
in this setting. I make note of this because culturally, this is a very important part of the story that you must understand in order to grasp what is going on here. You see, the Jewish culture reflected the religious experience that they had with the Heavenly Father. Just as the Heavenly Father was to be held in extremely high regard, so the earthly father was to be seen as the leader of the family. Uh, that is why it was so, so dramatic to see the younger son do what he had done. Uh, that's why it's so important to realize that dishonoring the earthly father was an exact and grotesque picture of what Israel had done to her heavenly father. And I think one scholar kind of sums this up very well when he pulls the ultimate context of the text together, and he says this, the overtones are so strong that we should surely not ignore them. This is the story of Israel, in particular, a story of exile and restoration. We're going to be talking about exile and restoration this morning. The exodus itself is the ultimate backdrop. Israel goes off into a pagan country, becomes a slave, and then is brought back to her own land. But exile and restoration is the main theme. This is what this parable is all about. Exile and restoration. This is the central drama that Israel believed herself to be acting out. And the story of the prodigal says quite simply, this hope is being fulfilled, but it, is, it does not look like what was expected. Israel went into exile because of her folly and disobedience and is now returning simply because of the fantastically generous and indeed prodigal love of her God. And those who grumbled at what was happening uh, are cast into the roles of the Jews who were, did not go into exile. So if you know biblical history, there's another group of folks there called the Samaritans who didn't go into ex exile. They were the folks who stayed there. But the true Israel is coming to its senses and returning to its father. As Jeremiah had foretold, and those who oppose this great movement of divine love and grace are defining themselves as outside the true family. We can go into deep exegetical detail into this story. However, what I want us to take a moment and think on is specifically this concept of exile and restoration. And it prompts us to ask a question. Where do we stand today with the Father? In exile or restoration? You see, these two sons took very different approaches to where they stood with the father, to their father. The one son, that is the most popular one of all, chose to disgrace and dishonor his father and run off to squander the blessings that were given to him. He definitely was living in exile. The other son chose to stay and do his duty to be with the father, so apparently he was not in exile. Let's talk about exile for a minute. Exile can be a very interesting place to be, especially in our relationship with the Lord. The funny thing is, the Lord is never the one who leaves when exile takes place. We are. We are. He's never gone. He's never the one who's far, far off. We are. Spiritually and emotionally, we can begin to live and act in ways that begin to take us far away from Him, and we lose sight of just how loving He truly is. There are some who would even begin to rationalize in their minds that the Father is not loving. When we get into a place of exile, of separation from God, whether that's before Christ or even as a believer, and we've moved away from Him in our relationship, we start thinking irrationally about the Father. We begin thinking that He's not loving, He's not kind. And sometimes that comes out in sayings like this. 
Sometimes, have we ever been guilty of saying this? Well, if he was a loving God, he wouldn't let that happen to me. Have you ever said that? I'm guilty. Sometimes it could come out this way. He's too restrictive in what he asks of us. Listen, if we follow what the Scripture says, we can fall into an attitude of saying, well, that's too restrictive. Why would he do that? He asks too much. He's not loving. But the best one of all is this. Oh, he's just not fair. When we are living in exile, thoughts and comments and things like that begin to come out and, and how, we, how we think about our relationship with God. But regardless of what it is, just as the younger son did, uh, did, our hearts can move far, far away from the heart of the Father. And we fail to see that his parameters that he gives us within his word, that they're there to help us and not harm us. Just as the prophet Jeremiah said in chapter 29, verse 11, he said, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. God has a plan for us. It is a plan for welfare and not for evil, to give us future and a hope. And oh, by the way, Jeremiah is writing a letter to a group of people who have been dragged out of their homes by a pagan nation, and they are in where? Exile in Babylon. That's who Jeremiah is writing to. They're in exile, and he's trying to encourage them. Listen, the Father is still with you if you will still walk with him. And all three of those are going to look different. That that welfare, that future, and that hope, that's going to look different in all of our lives. How that plays out in your life is going to look different than it does in mine. But the point is, when we're with the Father, He has our best interest at heart. And we can rest assured that if we stay far away from Him, we're going to have an empty void in our heart that can only be filled by Him if we're in exile. Now, what about restoration? Just as with Israel's story in their national narrative, so goes the narrative of the people of God today. Restoration is the ultimate goal and restorative plan of, God's, of God since the garden experience. This is the plan that we must all begin to evaluate which God has set up for us. How are we made right with our maker? Well, according to the scripture, it's a very strange thing. It's a very strange thing. We as followers of Jesus believe a very strange thing. According to the scriptures, we are made right with the Father through the sacrificial death, burial, and resurrection of the God-man, Jesus Christ. Do you not hear how weird that is? At Easter, every year, we celebrate this very thing. It's not the latest Marvel movie. It's not the latest comic book. It's not the latest fairy tale that's out there. It's history. It's fact. That's what Easter is. It is the turning point in the history of humanity where the God-man walked on the earth, died, was put in a tomb, and rose from the dead. And if we believe that, as the Scriptures tell us, and that's how we are made right with the Father and brought to a point of restoration, that is strange. We can call it what it is. The outside world, they think it's strange. 
You listen to podcasts. You listen to news. You, we are weird, and we just have to own up to it. And it's okay. Because if, the, if it's the truth, it's the truth. And we've got to walk in that because that is where restoration comes and for us to not be in exile. You see, it's through his efforts and not our efforts that we are brought to restoration. And in this pattern, and it's something that is so amazing. Jesus is trying to tell us in this parable that God is up to something and we wouldn't believe it even if he told us. Just as the prophet Habakkuk said in Habakkuk 1.5, he says, look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded for I'm doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. Now he was talking specifically about the coming of Babylon to, to take on and destroy the nation because the nation was going, there's no way that's going to happen. And God had a plan. God was going to enact it. And he said, you wouldn't even believe this plan of the full scope of this plan, even if I told you. The apostle Paul quotes this passage again in the book of Acts in stating that the people of, the people of God, the Jewish people, would not even believe, were having a hard time believing this new gospel, this gospel that was being presented to them. And that the same thing, that uh, I'm doing a work that you would not believe even if you were told. You see, the Father has his own plan. The Father sought out to bring people into his kingdom so that, um, so that in, in such a way that no one else had thought about, and that was through Jesus, even the wayward son, even the ones who are least deserving. They, too, get the privilege of enjoying the relationship with the Father and celebrating in the feast of the kingdom. So where do we stand with the Father today? Are we in exile as ones who have run away in abandonment of the Father? Or are we standing with Him? You know, there are many wayward people who would come into a church service and they probably realize where they are and they can recognize that they're probably that younger son in this passage. And, and guess what? They may have forgone the kingdom and willingly stay in exile from the Father, but this parable says this, come home. We will feast at your entrance to the kingdom and be restored. That is what this parable is saying. If we are wayward, if we're in exile, if we're not with the Father, come home. And the Father is sitting here going, come, please. The, the pathway is clear. And as Jesus even said, the way is narrow and few will find it in the Sermon on the Mount. But it's through him and through him alone. However, in many church communities today, it looks a little bit more like this. We've been sitting in church for many years. We've served on committees. We've fed the hungry and done a lot of good works as the elder brother did, always doing and trying to make efforts of our own to stay close to what we think is the right place with the Father. But we have missed the mark. It's almost as if we've been inoculated to the gospel message of Jesus. And when the younger son comes home, we get upset because of all the attention that he gets. The Father is calling us to feast with him as well. But will we enter in and experience the true restoration, or will we stay on the outskirts and sulk, missing the kingdom altogether? We have a choice to make to live in exile or to live in true restoration and walk with Jesus the way that God says to walk with Jesus, and that is through his word. That is, that is our foundation. That is our choice, exile or restoration. So we've been going on a journey, and you're sitting here going, that sounds interesting, Shannon. So how does that play out in foster care? I'm glad you asked. 
Well, here's a sad, sad truth and a sad fact. Those who are in exile are in a broken relationship with the Father. And unfortunately, those who are having to have their children removed are probably in that category. It's sad. It's, it, it, they're not, probably not walking with the God. They're probably not walking in that relationship. They are probably the, the younger son who's still wall, wallowing with the pigs and, and, and generally nowhere near a place of restoration. They want to be, maybe, possibly. And there's a way for that to happen. But in that moment, in that time, that's probably not where they are. And here's the sad truth. The children are the collateral damage while those families are in exile. Those children are in need of restored families to meet their need until restoration can come to their family. And that's not easy. That's not easy. Listen, I used to be a missionary, served overseas for about a decade. And I would come back and forth, talk to churches about what we were doing. I'd try to stir up and recruit missionaries. And, it, and, and I was never naive enough to think that everybody in the room was going to go, yeah, I'm going to be a missionary and move to a third world country and leave everything. No, not everybody's going to do that. Just like, now, should you? Amen, if God's called you to. Same thing with foster care. It's difficult. It'll rearrange your life. For some of our foster families, it's rearranged what they drive. You say, what do you mean? Well, we, I've got foster families who they've had, they, they get kids in their home, and they go, oh, you know what? I need that third row. Because, Shannon, I want you to send me another kid. <laughs> I, want, I want you to make me available for another child to come in our home. And we're going, Okay. It rearranges. I got one. Listen, we've got one foster family. It's, it's not with our agency here or with our local agency here, but it's with one of our other offices. It's a, listen, it's a young man who uh, I was his youth minister for a season and um, was with him and his wife, worked with him and his wife uh, later on as they got married and whatnot. He had like this tricked out Jeep, you know. Guys, y'all know what I'm talking about? Like that one that's got all this, it's air-conditioned, hard top. You pull it off, be a soft top, be all tricked out. You know what he drives now? It's not a minivan. No, no, it's like a, like a passenger van. Because <laughs> that's what he needed for the kids that they brought into their home to take care of. And they eventually adopted them. It'll rearrange your life. And my question to you this morning is, are we willing to have our, our lives rearranged for the sake of the gospel. Are we willing to have our lives rearranged for the sake of the gospel? Now, it, I'm talking about foster care right now. You can apply this in any area because the gospel will rearrange your life. It rearranges your priorities. But specifically this morning, listen, have you ever been asked to be a foster parent? Or maybe you're sitting here this morning and you've kind of thought about, man, I've talked about, I thought, I've, I don't even know where to start. Well, good, I'm glad you asked, because on November 6th at 3 o'clock, right here at the church, we're going to have, we're gonna have a, a follow-up, a next-step meeting where we can talk about that. We can engage in that conversation and help you know what those next steps are going to be. And, and I invite you to be there. But also at that meeting, you may be sitting here going, eh, I don't know if that's quite where I'm at, but 
we're going to be talking also about how you can support families. Um, in, your, in your seats today, if you use a QR code, uh, that'll take you to a link to our site as well. Um, John, our, the master of magician of all the computer stuff, he like said, hey, here it is. And so he linked all those together for us and, and pulled them together. And so that you can, you can sign up and register to come to that meeting next uh, um, on the 6th. And listen, registration is not required, but listen, it helps me plan uh, for you to come. So it's, it's, I just do, I ask you to do that. But you may be wanting to know, how can I help just support foster families? Well, one of the things we do at Families for Families is try to find folks to help us do things like be volunteers at our date nights that we host once a month, be, maybe uh, help be a babysitter. You know, a foster family, in order to be a babysitter for a foster child, you have to be over 18 years of age or older. That's a state requirement. That's not our requirement. That's a state requirement. And, and it's one of those things where sometimes, you know, we've got foster families that have 16-year-old biological children in their home. They can't babysit the foster children. So they need help. Maybe you, you're sitting here and you're going, I probably couldn't do that, but I could cook a meal for a foster family and be ready to uh, get on a team to do that. Well, we're going to talk about being, we call it a banner church model, of uh, putting a team together to uh, help. Maybe, maybe you'd like to, uh, to help out and uh, maybe just help do some random things at a home for a foster parent. So I was talking to one of our foster parents here recently, and I was like, hey, could you use your could you use your car wash or anything like that? You know, just something to be loved on. He goes, yeah, you know, the outside's pretty good, but could somebody just clean out my back seat? Because, hey, anybody got toddlers at car seats in the back seat of your car? Y'all know, y'all either know what that looks like or remember what that looks like. <laughs> it's just a help. It's just a way to help. It's just a way to fit in, and it's a way to, to, to tap in, to tangibly be a part of taking care of widows and orphans. Listen, it's not easy to be a foster parent, but listen, it's rewarding. I told you about the story. Young, uh, young, young girl came into care on Fridays in church today. Um, talk about a gospel issue. Had a young, uh, a little boy, he was... Uh, three, four year, years old when he came into care, um, and he was somewhere on the autistic scale, and his, um, uh, his, he, he was nonverbal, didn't talk a whole lot, had a hard time communicating. Listen, his teeth were all messed up because they'd not been treated and, and everything, and um, his foster mom took care of him, made sure his needs were made. He was in a gospel-centered church there on a regular basis. One night, my case manager sent me a, a video, and that little boy, who was very difficult to get him to speak after months of being in this home, started quoting John 3.16. That's the gospel impact you can make. That's the gospel impact you can make. And listen, we're not perfect, but we work to... We work to work just as hard to keep you supported as we can. We're going to be your first contact of call. Um, that's why my personal cell phone is on all of our documentation. If you need something, call Shannon. We're here to support you. Again, this meeting that's coming up on November uh, 6th, if you want to be a foster parent or just kind of curious, you don't even have to be ready. Listen, I'm not going to send, I'm not, you're not going home with a child that day, Okay. Uh, they're not, they don't come with me. I mean, there's a process to that. And it takes months for you to get licensed. So, but just come and, 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 and learn. 
And, and maybe you want to figure out how you can support and get on a team to maybe help do some of those other things. We'd love to talk to you about those two things. But listen, at the end of the day, we have to figure out where are we living? Are we living in a life of exile or are we living a restored life in restoration? And that can come, um, that, that can come in a, a, a myriad of different ways. And that can look different in all of our lives. But listen, ultimately, if we're walking in exile this morning, that means we're apart from God, and that is not where he wants us to be. He wants us to be restored to him. Do you need to be restored to him this morning? If you do, I pray you do that. I pray you realize that he's standing there, and he's looking, and he's running to you with arms wide open saying, come home into the kingdom and be restored. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to share. I thank you for the opportunity just to talk about what you're doing in the life of foster families and in the life of, of foster children and how you are making an impact on them through your people who are just being faithful to serve in very uncomfortable and difficult ways. God, help us to know what you've called us to. And Lord, help us to be obedient to your calling. Help us to realize that you have called us to a life of restoration within your kingdom. And God, help us to not be in exile. Lord, we love you and thank you. We ask for your, your will and your way to be had here in this place. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen.